so sorry, Your Honor. I lost my money, my car, my husband. All in one lunch hour. Hey everyone, welcome back to Underrated. This is a podcast that discusses films that are underrated, underappreciated, and ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am one of your co-hosts, Derek McDuff, and I am joined as always by Ariel Ortiz. Hello. Alan Torres is out sick for the day, but we do have a very special guest from the Cinema Jaw podcast, Matt K. How's it going, Matt? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being on. We're we're excited to talk to you um, and to talk about your pick, which was a very <laughs> interesting pick, which oh, yeah. is Drop Dead Fred, uh, a film from let's see, I want to make sure. We, yeah, nineteen ninety one, kind of an absurdist comedy starring uh, Phoebe Cates, who people might recognize from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, or if you're like me uh, and a true connoisseur, you would recognize her from Gremlins. But Matt, uh, we'll let you go ahead, and since you are the guest and this was your selection, yeah. uh, why, why don't you tell us a little bit, well, before we actually, tell, tell us a little bit about Cinema Jaw and yourself before we get into this. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, Cinema Jaw is a weekly podcast, and we talk about movies, much like you guys do. We do a top five every week. Uh, we usually have a guest, somebody from the film industry or just interesting people in general. Derek was just on our show pretty recently. And um, yeah, we review whatever's coming out. We've been at it for quite some time, since 2009. So 600 episodes. We just crossed our 600th episode. Yeah. So if nothing else, we are a very consistent podcast. You can count Mm -hmm. on us week after week. Yeah, you guys are like the OG film podcasters. We're We're like babes in the woods compared to you guys. You guys have been doing it since podcasts were actually listened on like iPods. Right, I, I, I know, call, it's weird. I would call you Logan and we're the X-23 kind of thing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we have experience, we have, we could, you know, kill people, but, but you know, you're Logan, you could go bashing through uh, woods and, and, uh, <laughs> and just like, just murder, like, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you, for sure. We have been, we, we're old is another way of saying it. We've been around <laughs> for a very long time. Well, well. Uh, while we've got you, the elder statesman of podcasting here, oh, I'll geez. say that. Um, so, yeah, why, why was uh, why was this your your underrated pick here? First of all, I just want to say I'm sorry, you guys. Derek was like, "What movie do you want to do?" And I was throwing around some ideas. They weren't necessarily the most underrated films. And then I, Drop Dead Fred just popped into my head, much like the character does in the movie. I guess. Yeah, I want to do. <laughs> yeah, and. I liked this movie as a kid growing up. I think it came out, you know, when I was like an early teen and it was just kind of in the VHS rotation for me, like at the rental store. And I loved Phoebe Cates, not for perhaps the reasons you think like you, much like you, Derek, I was a big fan of Gremlins. So, I mean, I didn't catch up to an unedited version of Fast Times till way later. So that, that whole scene with the red bikini... I, I never knew that there was, you know, full frontal in that scene, which is a famous full frontal. Uh, I did not know about it. So Arguably I really liked... the most famous, I would say, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. That's mm-hmm. fair. Um, years years ago, we we had uh, Mr. Skin on Cinema Jaw <laughs> talking about 
that scene in particular. But yes, I digress. The the movie Drop Dead Fred was just this this anarchic punk rock kind of really strange movie that for some reason just clicked with me. So I think I thought it needed some love. And then I saw that Rotten Tomato score and I was like, oh man, what did I do? This is mm. this is rough. Eleven percent. Yeah, 11. Wow. Oh, I was about to say, we've had some very low Rotten Tomatoes scores on this show before. That might be the record. I'd have to I'd have Mm -hmm. to check. But that that's definitely in contention for being the number one lowest score that we've had. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just rewatched it, obviously, getting ready for this. And I Mm -hmm. I must say that that 11 percent is undeserved. This is Mm -hmm. an an underappreciated movie. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very notorious movie in, in my family for the instance. I, I had never watched it before this, but it's a very notorious movie in my family specifically because my sister, it's like one of her childhood traumas movies. Actually, she really? very much is traumatic, uh, traumatized by Drop Dead Fred and freaked out by him uh, mortally, <laughs> morbidly, <laughs> I mean. She she hates Drop Dead Fred. Like there was a time, a period of time in um my childhood when I didn't know I was young. I was born a year after this movie came out. But my sister, my other sister, uh, older sister, like used to like essentially bring up like when she ever got pissed off, she would be like, "Oh, Drop Dead Fred's coming for you, Drop Dead Fred's," and it would freak her out. And it's specifically because of that that scene where his he his head gets smashed and and flattened, or he pulls it out of the refrigerator. So, so for some transparency, I was really not eager for watching this this movie to begin with. Um, because of that, I was like, oh man, it's gonna be like a freaky freaking story. I was kind of along the veins of like little monsters and. Ooh, another one I and love. All, all kinds of yeah, kind. Of, I'm getting the vibe from <laughs> that that this is like you, <laughs> but um, but no. I, so I ended up watching it. <sighs> yeah, it, it kind of was. I'm not one for like that weird, somewhat like, uh, <laughs> like. Ariel, um, you chose Monkey Gap. Bone. I know. I chose <laughs> Monkey Bone, and I hate the the only point that the only part that i hate of that movie is that whole and i still like have to like close my eyes that is the that black and white scene which is Mm. like just completely like nightmare horror so i was really thinking that this is going to be like nightmare horror-esque but it ended up not being that besides the moment of the head flatten which i kind of like okay i'm just gonna skip over it kind of (laughs) thing that part um but Overall, yeah, it, it's very a touching movie and and very very. I I really felt like I really felt connected to it in the last ten minutes of it because I specifically with her her relationship with her her um, mother while while I've like not had that like impend on my interactions with other people. In my life, I kind of have the same kind of vein of a relationship with my father in that way of essentially dealing with narcissists. And I've experienced narcissists in, in my life as well. And when in those push back and like put my boundaries up, but but just very fairly recently, yeah, I, I, I had set up a boundary with my, my with my father 
And so it was, it was very, um, a very poignant moment at the end when she does, like, essentially tell her mother, like, you know, I'm not afraid of you. And 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 that whole, it was, it, it was straight out of my life, the whole when she's leaving her, her house. And um, she's, like, saying... Uh, not in the vein of like, oh, like I had a kid because because it's like to try and save my marriage. No, not in that vein, but in the vein of of her, when she's leaving, she's like as a last last ditch effort. Her mother says, "I'm I'm going to be lonely," and I I've heard that so many times in my life um, from my father that it was like, oh shoot, and I really did, and that is something that I had to say of in the veins of will find a friend or find somebody else or I'm can't be what you want me to be anymore. And I'm not, I don't deserve that. So it, it, yeah, I, this movie ended up like taking me by surprise. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, and while I, I, I mean, of course, from the beginning, I felt bad for, for, for the main character and stuff and was very much, I think it, it comes from a space of like, because I'm not in that, space anymore you know for decades since i was like a teenager now in that vein of like just kind of going with the flow and not having a voice and stuff like that i did have not have a voice for a while for you know especially as a kid but so yeah for me i was like oh come on speak up speak up i was kind of along with fred but not in a childish way more so like i think like carrie fisher's character Kind of in that vein of like, you know, just speak up, like stand up for yourself. And, and yeah, like, while like Fred himself kind of like gets on your nerves a little bit, the ending and the purity of like, I really wish that he, he kind of got to that point, like when he, they're in the imaginary world from the beginning. But I guess it's like kind of like you could kind of see is like he's like in, encapsulates her entire like child niche childishness and like that mentality that isn't until that moment where he's like this is what you need and this is what i have to be for you of this person that's guiding you through these tra traumas and and you, it's so crazy that like yeah, at the at the end when he's like you have to kiss me and and say drop dead fred and it's just so like beautiful in a way you get that instant feeling of like love and like yeah. yeah, like he and and it, it just took me by surprise. Like literally, that the last ten minutes, I was like, "This is like a completely different movie in a <laughs> sense." And like, this is so poignant and so not like kind of like slapstick or weird. Like kind of like along the veins of like Pee Wee Herman kind of thing. One of the like an other imaginary friends very much rem reminded me of Pee Wee Herman, the one that was like a robot android or whatever. But yeah, and I'm, I'm like, I'm. It's it's a very surprising movie because, like, I, speaking of Pee Wee Herman, and that n very '90s, early '90s comedy or or child kind of messing <laughs> live action. Uh, yeah. it, 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 I'm kind of like get little heebie-jeebie on of that. I know Monkey Bone is like something, but Monkey Bone had like I don't know why Monkey Bone just <laughs> works for me. Um, but um. But yeah, for these, like, it's, I was just very, like, worrisome, especially coming from, like, hearing from my, my sister of, like, oh my god, it's so weird, it's such a weird movie and stuff like that, and then, like, kind of having the gist of, like, or how the early 90s child movies, 
truthfully, I don't think this is should be a child movie. Right. <laughs> it should be like yeah. an adult movie. I really feel like, yeah, that's one of the things I really feel. I kind of feel like the trauma that my, my sister probably <laughs> experienced because of it, because it's like very like, ah, kind of, kind of moments. But like as an adult, you, especially nowadays, you know, you're very desensitized by, by that kind of like imagery. But yeah, it, it, I was very, to say that I did not want to watch this movie at all because of that, and to go to like the end, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it, this is such a beautiful movie kind of thing. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought I'd be apologizing, but for different reasons. Sorry it traumatized you and, and your sister. <laughs> oh, no, no, Ariel. it didn't traumatize. It traumatized my sister. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's okay. Sorry about it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Ariel, I, I honestly kind of, you know, I didn't have obviously the, the same personal arc with this movie as you did, but I had a lot of the same feelings where, uh, especially like the first half, I was like, okay. I, I see what this movie's doing, but, like, Fred was incredible, like, especially in that first half, really graded on me. He he gave me what, like, you know, our other co-host, Alan, would refer to as, like, secondhand cringe. Because it was... Yeah, exactly. It was... That and first you know, half... I've spoken on this, on this podcast of how secondhand cringe is, like, one of the worst things. Like, I could deal with it, but I, like... I get it so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I was really getting it in that first half and like kind of watching it and you're like, okay, I get that there's like some stuff about her, like the abuses that she's suffered from her mom and just her kind of being in this cycle of getting into these relationships with people who are very controlling. And she is this very timid person. And then, you know, you have Fred come out and he's kind of goofy and he throws things up and he's, you know, messing with the works and stuff. And then, the back half of the movie, it still has some of that, clearly, but it's it really preys a lot more on her dealing with this unresolved trauma and kind of learning to stand up for herself and be her own person. And the way that all that plays out in this very surrealist, absurd way worked for me a lot in that back half especially what you had mentioned ariel that when they kind of go into that imaginary house and she kind of has to go up against her mom and her her husband and that is something very true like you know you do see people like that who are dominated by their parents who are and then they get into these relationships where they're just kind of dominated and it's it's very sad and i think that her arc of this kind of self-realization arc of realizing that she needs to do things for her on her own and not keep slipping into these relationships because he's terrible. Her husband, whose oh, name yeah. escapes me at the moment, is like Charles. objectively thank you is objectively awful from the start of the movie. Like you know that he was like cheating on her, and she's not like oh wow like he was bad, but whatever. Like she's just like no no no. All her only goal for the first probably sixty percent of the movie is to get back with this guy who sucks. Like he is just the worst and. You know, that's a thing. You're like, that's something maybe I related to a little bit more is, you know, I've been in a kind of not great codependent relationship in years past. And when that relationship ends, you're like, oh, I just got to If I just do this right and get it back. It's like, no, no, no. Other people, fulfillment of other people, whether it be a parent or a romantic partner or anyone else is not going to make you whole. You have to make you whole. Not even your imaginary friend can make you whole. And that's one thing that I really that stuck with me quite a bit from the ending of this movie was her just forging a path for her own and standing up to her abusers 
and using the language of cinema in this absolutely bizarre way, I thought was very effective. Mm-hmm. Well, it's something that 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 in therapy you put into practice too of of essentially going back into a memory or into like a kind of like space and and reconnecting with your you know childhood your your child um self inner child you know, kind of the inner yeah. child thank you and not really inner child but the child that you were kind of thing mm-hmm. which i really mm-hmm. felt and i I've, I've done that kind of practice before in certain sure. um, aspects of my life and stuff and and it's it's i would i would want to say that that the relationship that she has with her mother and her husband is it's like it's not as codependent it, it it's it's just like something you have to like really experience because like yeah definitely my experience and stuff I'll it's pass, not a codependency but... it's not a codependency it's it's just this feeling of like this person doesn't they don't need you they don't mm-hmm. like w- at right. the end of the day they don't need you but you f- they make you feel like you need them it's it's a classic narcissist way mm-hmm. i mean and it, 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 it's just like insane and like yeah the whole speaking over you not listening to what you're hear- saying it, it, it's just all these like tactics of just trying to you know make you small and like and it, it it's definitely like it, it it's insane like yeah the whole mm-hmm. the whole story and stuff like that and i was just like very taken taken aback but i really did love the kind of switch that that fred has finally and i really think that it is because, yes, he's experienced, like, the mother and stuff like that. But for the mother, it's, like, become kind of a joke and stuff. And I really think that it's once he, like, starts to, you know, he's he sees. Because he's up, up until that point, he was trying to, like, get her back with Charles. Because she, he's, like, oh, that that's what you need and stuff like that. And, and then I could go. But then he sees, like, Charles and who he is. And it's it's kind of, like, oh, this person isn't good like you know like this isn't a joke like and especially i think it's because like her taking the pills and stuff and like kind of mellowing him out in a way he kind of like sees that more so it's it's very like yeah going back to to like therapy and and psychology and stuff like that yeah he kind of like is an adhd kid on you know on adderall or something that's kind of like he's mellowed out and he's kind of like getting a clear head and he sees like oh like this person that i love and care for is like in pain like real pain and i need to help her kind of thing instead of like joking around and stuff like that like no i really need to actually help her so so yeah well matt like you you mentioned why you chose the film but what what did you actually really think of it it's interesting. I didn't connect with it when I was, uh, you know, when I first saw it on on the level that you guys did, and I and I don't connect with it now. I, I definitely haven't dealt with some of those toxic relationships as an adult. I think what drew me to this as a kid is I I do have pretty severe and pronounced ADHD, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that it was about Lizzie finding agency and adulthood and. Because she is a mess at the beginning oh, of yeah. this movie. Yeah. And, and, the whole, oh my gosh, that whole sequence of like, like when she gets back to the courthouse and she's like, I just lost yeah. my, my purse and my car and my husband. And the guy's like, all in a, in a lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It, totally, totally. So, like, when, when I revisited it, 
and and I guess the visuals and stuff like that. I'm sorry, like the body horror part of it bothered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's just kind of cartoonish. I, I understand yeah. it. It's the early '90s. It was like throughout a lot of things. For I sure, know. like Ren and Stimpy yeah. were big yeah. and stuff like it's, that. It's very uh, right, huh? early Nickelodeon, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Uh, I I think like one of the things that I like about this movie, it's so rare. This is a kids movie for adults. You mm-hmm. sort of touched on this Ariel, like this is not a kids movie. It yeah. kind of feels like a kids movie, though, right? In a lot mm-hmm. of ways. But then there's like a bunch of adult humor, like sex is 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 oh, completely yeah. uh, him, a part him, of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like him you know. looking up people's skirts, which is like yeah. probably wouldn't pass again early nineties <laughs> and right. stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, as a kid, you're like, like uh, I guess you kind of like. Uh, if he was like ew kind of thing, like yeah, like that would be a bit more like childhood kind of thing. But he's like, no, he's like, like oh cobwebs or or yeah, that was, oh that my was gosh, no panties and stuff. It's like this is for kids <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Was it marketed for kids? <laughs> it I was, was I'm marketed really for kids. Yeah, okay. it was. Yeah, that's wild. I think it was just kind of like people didn't know where to categorize this movie. Is it a romance? Is it a comedy? Is it drama? It, it does have a little twinge of horror to it, too. There's a few, like, legitimate jump scares. Not that they're... It, this is not a horror movie, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but there's an element of darkness to it as well. And then there's also, like, some pretty serious themes of, of mental illness. You know, when you stop and consider the reality on the ground of Lizzie's situation, like, what exactly is going on with Drop Dead Fred? Is, is this magic realism, or is she mentally ill? And, and what are we supposed to think as the viewers... Like what was the filmmaker's intent? It's I think it's intentionally vague. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all those things really drew me to it as a kid because it's it's not a common film. You just don't mm-hmm. see movies like Drop Dead Fred. Really, I can't even think of another one. Yeah, except for maybe Little Monsters. By the mm-hmm. way, that's a great yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one that was I would because it's very along the lines and and like kind of like a follow suit uh, to Drop Dead Fred, but not. It's creepy, but it's not as creepy as like um don't look under the bed that deals with with imaginary friends. That's kind of like oh that decom oh yeah, yeah exactly. Oh my God. No, I'm not it's, familiar. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's an old it's like Disney a, Channel original say, movie. I would say it's a oh, wow. mixture of of Drop Dead Fred and um, Little Monsters in a yeah. way. And Man, I have not thought about that movie in a while. Speak um, of like that, I I really love that movie and too. I like, should rewatch it. I liked it as a kid a lot. It scared yeah. me when I was like, uh-huh. like very young. But but I mm-hmm. I don't know, Matt. You just bring up something that I I really wanted to touch on at some point, which is that yeah, it, you are really not so. It's intentionally vague as to whether or not Fred is like an actual like entity or if she's just completely existing in her mind. And I like that they do kind of give you reasons to believe either or. Like, there's that scene where she slaps the violinist, and you're like, oh, that was Fred up there, and now it's a violinist, so either he was, like, possessing her, or, which has not been in his perceived power set at any other point in the movie, so that does lead you to believe, like, oh, no, she is just totally imagining this, and imagines that whole scene. But then later on, it gives you the scene where she sees all the kids with their own imaginary friends, and the kids can each see their own imaginary friend, and the imaginary friends can see each other, but they can't see each other's imaginary friends, but they're all still interacting in a way that makes sense. And you're like, that leads you to believe that imaginary friends are, are real, 
Which, by the way, I do love that scene. That it was just such a fun, like, little scene where you get all the different, like, the different imaginary guys. It was very, like, you know, reminded me of speaking of imaginary friends, like, kind of like a Foster's thing, where it's like there's all these different weird characters talking to each other. I did really think that was smart. It's like, oh, it's how it it cut between the different angles of everyone's. Di- it put us in the different perspectives of all of the characters sitting in that circle. Uh, I thought was really, really smart. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what I think after watching <laughs> it again. Um, there's strong arguments to be made for, for either. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're real because like job dead Fred transfers to, you know, um, what's his name's um, daughter. Right. And- yeah. That's another reason to like, okay, maybe they are, they are mm-hmm. real. And, and they show that that last pill, the goodbye mm-hmm. pill that she calls mm-hmm. it is in the foreground. She does not take it after she says goodbye to drop dead Fred. So I, I I guess so yeah it's supposed to be like he's a guardian angel of sorts mm-hmm. yeah but I, I do I do like the I'm I'm always a fan of that just kind of ambiguity you know you can definitely be like okay I think it's it's real you know but it is it is ambiguous enough that it gives you enough doubt that you could definitely make the argument either way um, and speaking of that last scene where you get to see uh, her and the guy and his daughter. There, I like that there is an implication of romance. Like he's clearly what we would call today a simp. Like he's simping for her, and she, like you know, maybe something will blossom and she will be like a cool stepmom or something to the kid. But it's not like explicitly like stated. Like yeah, she, she just got back into a relationship because I like that you know. And I I was kind of worried that it would do that where it's like okay, well she got out of these other two toxic relationships and now she's back to. Maybe a good relationship, but she should probably be on her own for a little while. And I like that the movie ends with her being her own person. And maybe, she, and she's got a romantic interest. She's got Carrie Fisher, who we haven't really talked about, who's kind of the best in this. Like, you don't see, I haven't talk seen about her it. in a ton of stuff. But yeah, Carrie Fisher and her, like, boat. And she, she's just so supportive, like, you know, through all of this. is She's just like, that's the relationship you need. She's like an anti-gaslighter. She's just like, yeah, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. I'm totally down. Just make any sense you sunk my boat but whatever i got the insurance we're in the money let's go so carrie's great well i think carrie very much like i i I watched a a documentary a few weeks back of of clue and i guess she was supposed to be mrs scarlet and the whole she she the only reason she wasn't mrs scarlet is because like she had to go to rehab and there and she was like oh no no it's fine it's fine like uh, i'll do the i'll do the movie they'll let me out and then you could do it so I'm sorry, Carrie Fisher, you know, up there. But very much so, I think she probably is like, oh, yeah, I could totally. I, I, I see people, or like, I see imaginary friends every every once in a while. I totally understand this kind of thing, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but, but yeah, like, I, I did love that, that she was kind of like that supportive friend. And that everything, yeah, worked out for her, which is like, I, I think it's, it's pretty nice to see because, like, up until that point, even then, uh, is that everything like that drop dead Fred did for you know the main character ended up ended with like misery in a way, and so and now that like it's it's even after you know he's gone, it's showing like oh no like some things that he did like ended up for the better kind of thing yeah. you know and um um and he wasn't you know as much as a burden as as had thought and but but yeah carrie fisher was like yeah a really really good friend to her and, and i really yeah. did love her character 
I and, want a friend uh, whose whose house I can destroy, and they'll be like, "Oh, well." Well, that what sucks, was she but, doing you know. with a Dixie River boat anyway? Kind of thing. I would live on a. I would live on a boat like that. That sounds awesome. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah, you give me like a boat with like a big steam wheel and whatever in the back. Yeah, sure, that sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, one thing that I was like with her potential love interest at the, I was like. Is this man crazy too? Kind of thing. Like she, yeah. he comes off as kind of like a crazy in a different way. Like I understand, like oh, accepting and stuff like that. But he's just kind of like, oh, you're so fun, kind of thing. It's it was oh, very weird. Guy, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it was just very weird. Like I, yeah. I get going with it and not letting her feel bad, but it's it's like he's not believing her. He's just like, you're crazy. I love that. Um, it's like, why? Kind of it, thing. It's, a, it's a bit much. Yeah. Tough yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's where you just got to go with it, I think. You know? <laughs> but Matt, yeah. What, what were your thoughts on Carrie? On Carrie Fisher? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, first of all, like, as, as an actress, she just plays this role so straight mm-hmm. and just straightforward with her lines she has fun with it she has a little scene where she she freaks out trying to kill drop dead fred even though she can't touch him or see him and she's just like smacking the ground with her shoe (laughs) and all of her office mates her co-workers come out and she she like blurts out that she you know is is having sex with this one guy when his wife is out of town and she's she's wonderful like every scene she's in is kind of it feels safe in a way i don't know she she is an anchor for phoebe cates's character lizzie into the adult world she's a, like a, a high functioning successful independent woman that that lizzie looks up to right and i think like outside of star wars and blues brothers mm-hmm. where else do you go really with carrie fisher um fanboys okay Okay, yeah, but that's just a Star Wars thing. That's a Star Wars thing. Technically, yeah, but I love her character in that is a doctor. I it was it was nice to see Carrie Fisher. She she's another person who Oh, I think when is, Harry met Sally. There you go. Yeah, she's been in some stuff. Like she pops yeah. up, but this is like uh, you know, a fairly meaty role for her mm-hmm. outside of Star Wars. So I, I liked it. I like Carrie yeah. Fisher in general. Yeah, I got vibes of like her character when Harry met Sally is like kind of like being that supportive friend that is there that has experience that is kind of like the model for the main character, you know, like uh, as an aspiration to like kind of be that. Yeah, like John John Truby likes in his screenwriting books likes to call those characters like clones, you know, like this is you know what you could be or what you you might be, you know, as She's very, very much that type of character. But I yeah. like that in this one, she had the flaw that she was messing around with the married man, you know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. she's not in the best relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the end, they end up, hopefully, they end up being open to better relationships together, kind of thing. Not together, but, you know, together. Go, go, yeah. Group. yeah. Yeah, right, no, here's, absolutely. Here's something I thought was super obvious the first time I watched it, even as a kid. And then I didn't hear anybody talking about it. Like, after I watched the movie again, I went on the deep dive, you know, read all the reviews. The dad who leaves um, Lizzie's mom, 
this this guy Nigel is is like like a very English guy. He's exactly. He's like I was sipping tea with his his legs yeah. crossed and and reading the newspaper, uh, and he seems at least to be a good-ish dad. Like I don't think he should have just walked out like that. But you well, know, I yeah. think that drop dead Fred further on that, and that was my initial thought because I was like, oh, drop dead English. I, I, yeah, I think this is where and, Matt was getting to. Let let, oh, let, let him finish. Let him finish. Yeah, no, it's 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 obvious. Ariel's got yeah. it. He's yeah. like an amalgam for for her her dad. The relationship that she kind mm-hmm. of was denied by her mom, amongst all the other, I don't want to say. I mean, it's fair to say abuses, certainly mm-hmm. like wrongdoings or bad parenting mm-hmm. from her mom. So, drop dead Fred is kind of like her substitute dad in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, he's as crazy as he is. Yeah, he he's like the one. Her dad is clearly like the one positive influence she's had in her life at that point. Um, so and yeah, her, I I was kind of like okay, it would have worked a little bit better for me if Fred had showed up after he left. But or, it, or it, his, he gained his accent after he left. Yeah, but well, if it, it was it the still, same actor. Works. Oh yeah, I, or, or like Jum- Jumanji act. style, like how totally. what's his name plays. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would have been okay by me. Yeah, no, that would have worked. Mm-hmm. That honestly, honestly would have worked. Yeah, I had to like double check. Like, I was like, is he the same one? Because like once in in that scene where like they yeah, they get woken up by the the jail the robber break and break in and I was like, oh, like that. I caught it right away. I was like, oh, he's British. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why Fred is British because like I think it's mainly like that. She the the good side of of her father maybe even when he was there it was just like kind of like maybe like this is like what she wanted her father to be to tell her her mother off for her you know like but he didn't so even when he was there yeah Yeah. exactly where like fred did but of course you know he's imaginary so he can't really do any effect of that but i think that even that would explain why like he had a british accent even before the dad totally. it's just kind of like yeah. like that's what she wanted her dad to be like he had aspects of that but he never like fell through with it because yeah like he definitely should have been like told the mother off right there and then and took her away you know kind of thing it was like you're the horrible right. parent i am i am, am a good parent mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and i think that definitely leads into you know her, like we said that sort of one positive relationship he has to look up to and then he, he just kind of rather than fight she he leaves her and he abandons her and that even feeds in further to her fear of abandonment and when her the other man in her life you know decades later also leaves her she's like no i have to get this guy back you know it, it's it's uh you know i hate to use the word freudian but very freudian it is very mm-hmm. freudian yeah and we should talk about rick mail a little bit too the guy that plays Drop Dead Fred. He's, yeah. I was like, I, I was I, like, had I seen him anything before? Yeah, but I don't too. think I have. Me too. Yeah. He seems very similar to, oh gosh, there's like this one British actor that I was like, he he seems similar to him. But, and that's why I was like, I, I'm sure I've seen him before. And yeah, I like looked at IMDb and unfortunately like passed away fairly young. He did, yeah. Um, and he seems like he was like a more British kind of comedic actor kind of thing. Yeah, he's huge, huge mm-hmm. in the UK. So, like, have you guys ever seen The Young Ones? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. It's it's basically like a uh, a sitcom 
with a bunch of punks and their flatmates and it's kind of like in the same vein as absolutely fabulous have you seen are you familiar with that one no oh no, really that, okay so similar so that british familiar. british television sitcoms were like super irreverent like monty mm-hmm. python we like i know we, i know he'd been on like an episode of black adder which i'm a little familiar with yeah perfect example they're like british comedy is its its own genre unto itself so he's big over there like i know that they they were considering robin williams for this role which i think would have been interesting and jim carrey was in the mix for a sequel when rick Mm -hmm. mail didn't want to reprise the character he's got the energy of both of those two guys yeah now you mention it that's that's you're hitting the nail on the head yeah so i mean he's he's kind of like you know the 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 over the pond version of a Jim Carrey meets Robin Williams kind of in his work from work days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, he's great. I don't know. I like him. I know Derek, you were saying he was grading on you. I liked drop dead Fred. from go. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I liked him the second he popped on screen. He's like Johnny rotten as a guardian angel. Like if your guardian <laughs> angel was Johnny rotten, mm-hmm. he would be drop dead Fred, which is oh. okay by me. I remember who, like, initially I was like, is this a young Good Omens? Uh, uh, David Tennant? Or... No, not David Tennant. The other, uh, uh, ah, goodness me. Because he sounds just like him. Oh, goodness. Michael Sheen. Like, he sounds oh. like a, a young, like, I was I, like, I, I could see Michael that, Sheen? yeah. Um, because he sounds just like him. I could see um, that, yeah. But yeah, that's why I was like, that's who he reminded me of. But yeah, definitely. And Michael Sheen has that kind of like energy too. Like if he goes yeah. crazy, he could go crazy too. Yeah. I do yeah. love Michael Sheen like in The Last Twilight, like which is not a good movie, but he but knows don't. what movie he's in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In like the last, and then also him and Tron just like oh, going yeah. over the, we talked about that on the mm-hmm. past episode. But the only thing I was going to say, because you brought up a bunch of things he'd been in, Matt. The only thing I've seen, and he has like a pretty small part in it, but it is, a not quite as absurd as this, but it is also a very absurd British thing. Um, American Werewolf in London. He's one of the guys in that great British pub, and I kind of was like, he's. I think he's like play, playing darts or something. So if anybody is not sure where you've seen him, it might be that because I think that maybe is one of the most more popular things that at least stateside that he's been in. Yeah, he was he was ready to pop. This was supposed to be his like vehicle. Mm-hmm. to to stardom in the, on this side of the atlantic but it just you know it didn't it didn't it didn't connect with an audience i don't think this movie ever really found yeah. where it belonged on the shelf you know yeah Even, there, there, as i yeah, said there's I mean, an alternate reality where the the mask doesn't work and this one yeah. does and he just becomes like the next jim carrey you know he's like playing andy kaufman in five years or whatever right <laughs> yeah totally yeah, yeah i mean like I'm. I wonder if this was marketed. I don't know, because I wonder if this was marketed. Yeah, towards a more adult or even teen, mainly teen, probably it, instead of like a kids movie. If that would work, it would have worked better for its favor. But I, I do definitely feel like it, it, it is a niche movie that that I think like if it came out nowadays would be a little bit more well received just because like like i said earlier like we are desensitized towards that kind of like humor and then definitely like just would have crushed it with the existentialism like i mean like with one of the biggest movies nowadays is being you know everything everywhere all at once 
which yeah. this movie oh, kind of right. has, like that movie kind of has that weird body stuff kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say gore, but you know, like body well, weird, and it's also, weirdness kind of thing. It's, yeah. It's also about ADD. At least mm-hmm. I think it is. I mean, I'm not alone in that. Everywhere, every, everything, everywhere, all at once is about ADHD as well. So, yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. And that, uh-huh. that's something I love about everything, everywhere, all at once. You can definitely apply it here. Is it's a maximalist film, and it's right there in the title. It's a movie that is about everything, everywhere, all at once. And I've talked to so many people who have loved that movie. And like, like you said, Matt, like you're like, this is a movie about ADHD, which it is. And my friend Damien, who I do an, like another podcast with, like, he's like, I love this movie because of the relationship between the mother and the daughter. He's like, this reminds me, it's just like the relationship that I have with my mom. And people like, there's people who are like, oh, that this is a movie that's like an immigrant experience movie. And those things are all true. It is like so many themes and can mean all of these things to all of these different people. And like you, and I think, like I said, it, it the same definitely applies to this. Where, yeah, Matt, you were like this. This movie hit on me with for my ADHD. Ariel, it hit on you with like some relationships that you've had. It hit on me for like a completely different relationship that I had. So, and that's the thing that I love about film is that it is subjective, and artists can put all of these themes into the movies, and you might not even be the target audience. But everyone can take something away from it because things that seem very specific can actually be very universal. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Very, very well said. Absolutely. Yeah, which which I think nowadays is a lot more well received when it's it's upfront, which very much this movie is like upfront with be- being about. So yeah, I think it's just like if it hit now. Definitely, like it would have, like it, it might have started, yeah, as, as like an indie kind of like feel and stuff like that. But I think it would have gained a lot of traction in today's day and age, especially like I was saying, I was trying to get to like with the openness of, of mental health overall and and things like that, a lot more poignant in today's society. Yeah, yeah. and I think I think maybe part of the target audience because this this came out after Fast Times, right? Am I right? Thinking that. I'm pretty this sure is, it did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it must have. Yeah. So I think that, you know, people who knew Phoebe Cates from Fast Times, yeah, Fast Times is 82, so almost 10 yeah. years before this, um, were like, okay, this is like a Phoebe Cates movie. We're getting, like, she's famous from, like, that, that iconic scene. So people went in maybe expecting that and not expecting the absurdity that was her speech in Gremlins 1 or just the absolute absurdity of Gremlins 2, which is one of, if you want to talk about a movie that's close to it, I think maybe Gremlins 2, and it's just kind of like absurdity is maybe in the same ballpark. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is Phoebe Cates, first of all, I don't think this was necessarily marketed to children. The, the, mm-hmm. the whole panties joke, no panties where he goes under and the cartoon eyes pop out mm-hmm. is right in the trailer. But it was definitely mismarketed. But Phoebe Cates, yeah. to, to like dovetail off your idea, was not, she's, her character is so portrayed in such a innocent way. And, mm-hmm. and not in like a gross innocent way, like, like um, you know, she's like baby dolled out or something like that. Right. She's, just, she's just kind of stuck as a child. And so they mm. under-sexualize her. They, they like dial that back. Because Phoebe yeah. Cates is, was, you know, from Fast Times, a bit of a sex symbol mm-hmm. of, of her day. And 
they turned that down so much. I think so many people were probably upset by that. You know, they went yeah. in. You got Phoebe Cates on the cover. You're like, oh, there's Phoebe Cates and there's raunchy comedy. Like, let's have at it. And then you get this version of Phoebe Cates that is not what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. I found it refreshing even then. But I think that's another reason why this this missed with so many people. Yeah, I think that is absolutely spot on. And yeah, you, like to your point, like, like the way they dress her in this movie, they dress her like a kid. They dress her like a yeah. kindergartner. Like mm-hmm. she's like a yes. woman in her 30s, probably at least. And yeah, like especially early on, like eventually she does like she does that have that scene where she wears something more adult. And then her husband, her ex-husband, whatever he is at that point. Start, Charlie starts to notice her, but even then they don't do it like the way you would expect, like a makeover scene where she comes slowly down the stairs or they're objectifying right. her any way. It's just kind of her coming into her own um, in a way that I thought was really cool. Right. They, there's this movie is sincere in that there's absolutely zero objectification of of any of the the characters, which again it's kind of refreshing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Totally. Mm-hmm. I, I like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, as, as I think we're we're coming to the end here, guys. Did you did you have any final thoughts on Drop Dead Fred? And I think it's it's probably getting a little bit of a cult status here. Or I, I'm I a, think it was already yeah with with you, Matt. Like people like you, <laughs> you've kept it alive so far for like other people to, like get on the the you know the bandwagon and and catch some metaphor and not see it as just the body dysmorphia humor kind of thing like oh no yeah. no there's a deeper story here but yeah i i think that uh they've been batting around a, a script a remake script that like russell brand was attached before mm-hmm. his arthur debacle and <laughs> obviously that that never happened yeah but um, f- like final thoughts on drop dead fred it's it's a weird movie from the 90s that that i loved and Watched it again, surprised at how well it holds up. It's pretty enough with, with the like highly saturated colors and stuff. I think the themes are rich enough that if you can get past some of its weirder beats, like that date scene, I, I think you can mm-hmm. find some re- so, rewarding yeah, I, I, repeat <laughs> viewings of this one. Definitely yeah. worth a spin. Yeah, that was one of the moments where I skipped ahead because that was like where the secondhand... Um, embarrassment was coming in really hard yeah and i was yeah, like I, I, no and especially <laughs> i think it's like how he was acting too wasn't helping it like i, I said he was like his weirdness and her weird and like her like you know like fred sabotaging her it was just like i can't <laughs> you, you need the scene to establish his character <laughs> but yeah it is an awkward scene but otherwise <laughs> yeah. i think the movie is way underrated and not mm-hmm. appreciated as as well as it should be i think it is developing a bit of a cult status and i'm in the mm-hmm. cult i'm drinking that kool-aid yeah. and yeah, i and yeah. I, well, I you will... you you made the kool-aid you like you, you helped yeah. you were you're <laughs> yes. behind the 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 kool-aid stand and like getting the powder and the sugar and like and i like, flicked you know. the booger in it <laughs> oh no i hate that part <laughs> i i, I want to say something too on the cult status of this movie and just kind of i think a lot of these movies that are these cult movies from especially this time period are getting a revival and i think it's in large part due to the streaming of it all because back in the day if you knew somebody like to you wouldn't just throw this movie on you would have to like know someone who had the vhs or later the dvd and so 
or like you're not gonna like Black seek this movie out and just yeah if you, you hadn't seen this movie which a lot of people hadn't you're not just gonna be able to just watch it like you would be able to just turn on um a streaming service and specifically the streaming service that i think is really revitalizing a lot of these fucking weird ass movies is where it's i the watched one it. that has the co- the co- the commercial with that just, is, yeah, they, that's that equally just, weird that just had a <laughs> iconic in my opinion super bowl commercial a commercial that made me my brother look at me like what are you doing right now i was cuz i was holding the remote oh uh, no no that, no i was talking about the the actual like like existential rabbit one. It's weird, Terry. Like, too, yeah. but, I, but the, the one that stuck with me is the the one where you look like you're turning the channel onto Tubi, and I think Tubi is really doing wonders for these bizarre cult forgotten movies because it's free. You just have to watch ads, so you can just go on to Tubi and be like, "What?" It's it's always like the most weird, interesting shit on that service. So like, oh, as soon as I like looked up on like just watch, like where is this streaming? I was like, "Oh, Tubi." Of course. And so, and I've watched so many just like weird things on Tubi that mm-hmm. you would never normally watch, but you're like, you know what? It's free. I've got 90 minutes. Why not watch, you know, uh, Drop Dead Fred or like whatever weirdness is on there? So it's Here's we're living in a whole new world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What film did Tubi recommend or start to play after Drop Dead Fred? I didn't get For you to guys. That. God, I don't remember. I don't remember. Mine was She Devil. Do you remember this movie? It was it's no. Roseanne. It's Roseanne Barr and oh man, Ed Bagley Jr. It, <laughs> yeah, boy. it's the same for me. Uh-huh. It was She Devil? Yeah. That's a weird and movie then, right there. And man. then and then the second one is Two Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Namar. Um, oh, that's a good movie. There's Writing in Cars with Boys, which is actually a good movie. Um, yeah. Happy Gilmore, um, she's out of control. But then it goes back wow, to weird. I forgot as, about that at, one. Yeah. It goes, it goes back to weird with with Joe's apartment, which is that one with the cockroaches. Great, and shit. great movie. <laughs> oh wow! Come on, Matt. No, I liked it. I mean that that started off as a short on MTV, and then it got its whole movie. Like I can't so who greenlit that. You I know? don't like, know. <laughs> It's too weird. I wouldn't. I would not for that one. I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah. You can't come back and and do that one because I won't. I, can't, I promise. I can't. I can't with cockroaches. I I'm can't. not here to say that it's underrated, but I did like Joe's apartment in its day. I have not watched it in like 30 years, 20, 25 <laughs> years. But it was. It was. That's it was funny Tom at Green that time. too, right? Oh man. No. Yeah. No, it's. Oh my God. It's isn't it the kid from Stand by Me? Yeah. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell. Oh, oh it's Jerry cool. O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, Boy, I pulled well, that one out of thin air. <laughs> uh yeah. Well uh any any final thoughts here on, on Drop Dead Fred, guys? It's very surprising. I was like, yeah, I was going in like I said. I I was not expecting to connect with this movie at all. And I was like, oh, shit, this is poignant. Yeah. This is like literally what I did. This is like three weeks ago. Okay. Sur- yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly like emotional and impactful, especially oh, with, my gosh. with the way it starts. I, it's like, this is actually a movie about trauma. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, it wasn't expect. I was expecting to be annoyed with Fred because that's what I've heard all all my life of like, oh, Fred, Job Dead Fred was so annoying and then it was so creepy. And then literally, like, 
at the end, I was like, I I wish somebody would ask me to kiss them like that. Just touch <laughs> it. Just, it is. I actually didn't love that kiss scene, moment. but... <laughs> oh, no, it's that's so That's the one beautiful. scene that didn't why, work for me. Why? No, I, why? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, just, it felt like it, it was like, I love that they didn't really... Like, their relationship was never intimate or romantic at all like he you was don't, it, no that's the whole thing is that it made it feel like like he is acting like a young boy like a young boy is like oh uh, a kiss is so sick and my like my like young kids in general like my niece you know is like oh kissing oh they're holding hands that's so weird oh it's so and it's and that's how he was acting he's like trying to like hide it like it's very much like yeah like his he, he was like acting like a little kid that like he's trying like his surprise like oh you're gr you're so old you're so grown up it's kind of like a kid like yeah saying like that's like mechanism yeah it's a defense mechanism exactly so like with the I, I totally fell for it. I was right. like, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, really glad, I'm, really glad, I'm glad it worked for you then. Because yeah, yeah. It, did, it didn't hit for it, me, but, but yeah. It's weird. It is, right? Because their relationship up to this point where he's like clearly a, a man child and mm -hmm. not interested in, in romance other than sneaking a look under ladies' skirts for some weird reason. But that kiss is almost romantic. It's not quite. Yeah. It's, it's like right on that. It, it, it's that's like what, a... A very, very genuine, like, kiss goodbye. And you yeah. feel it. Like, just, like, it's so quick that they got there. That's the thing that, like, very much impressed me is, like, you went from him being annoying and, like, to hit, to them just, like, like, yeah, having this very emotional, like, intimate, not intimate, but, I mean, genuine, like, kiss kind right. of thing. So, yeah. I, I think I like that, again, because it's it's kind of up to you as the viewer to decide, like, what's up with that kiss you know mm -hmm. yeah and so. I, I do i do like the way that they their relationship kind of culminates um not relationship but their kind of like interactions culminate where she learns to accept like they accept each other and she accepts herself and he helps her overcome all of this trauma together and then she doesn't need him anymore and then the next kid that needs him you know gets mm -hmm. a gets a friend i i did mm -hmm. like i did like all of that quite a bit it begs yeah. the question though what's wrong with the little girl Who's who's the, the... Her, she's going through a divorce? Her parents divorced. Yeah, she's oh. got a shitty mom too. Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully her dad sticks around. It looks like her dad is not going to leave and stick well, around. He, so. he he it and that was the cool thing that he made a point. He's like, I yeah. I got I got custody. Like yeah. essentially, like and it it's like he fought for her kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely, yeah. like that undertone of like, oh, this is a dad that yeah fought for his daughter. Yeah. Kind of so yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, but yeah, so, it's the trauma of, of a divorce. Yeah, yeah, which is something I experienced. Yeah, in the last two, like as a as a child of divorce, like in last two years too. So there you go. You just gotta <laughs> you make too. like fifty years of movies about it, like Steven Spielberg did. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I I, I have yeah, no, I have <laughs> um, like I have yeah, like a a, a couple five hundred decades <laughs> of 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 stories to tell. So yeah, for sure. But yeah, Matt, I was going to say, you know, because we were kind of talking like, you know, when we were talking about this, we were like you said before and we were like, OK, what are we? And you, you know, because I had never seen this. I just knew that by like a little bit of its reputation, the poster and you were just like, what have I gotten this into? I was like, we'll see. But I I was definitely me and Ariel, I think we're both really pleasantly surprised. This turned yeah. out I was very nervous, but this worked out. This I bring the sigh of relief because. 
was like, all right, do I have, I'm going to have to trash our guest pick, but no, thank, thankfully, I, I really did enjoy it. And I think I, even after coming out of this conversation, I think I liked it even even more. So, yeah, good, so good. thank you, Matt. Have you ever trashed a guest's pick? Have, has that well, happened no, yet on the I, show? I, yeah. Ariel yeah, has. I, I, I haven't. I'm very... <laughs> I'm very straightforward with it. I, I no, I've trashed Derek's favorite romantic movie. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> like, it was mean. <laughs> yeah, because I I don't agree with it at all. Um, but Not yeah, my favorite I, romantic I already, movie. But, but but I do I do. There's yeah. But yeah, I was like really. I think that's what helped me like enjoy it a little bit more because I was coming with like, man, I'm gonna have to say like this. This I would just. Did not like this movie at all. It was disturbing and all this stuff. Just because, yeah, like my my previous like thing. But I am very very grateful that I really liked this movie and stuff like that. It's gonna be a very interesting conversation. I I, I don't think my my sisters will ever get it anyway. I think the trauma is just hit, and I and even if I explained all this stuff, which is like deep stuff that they haven't got to. So I don't think that they'll get it anyway. So just I'm just this like, episode yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's all, that's they they don't listen. Do. <laughs> they Podcasting don't listen is to like me. therapy. Yeah, yeah. I don't have supportive sisters. I'm just kidding. No, they, they're sit supportive them down in their in front own of way. YouTube and say, "Here, I'll be back <laughs> yeah. in a little while." <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I I, I definitely like am, was genuinely surprised. And I'm very grateful for that. But you, you know, even if I ba- I do it in a very respectable way, you know, like if I do bash people's luck. So yeah, I, I I just voice my opinion, which is like, yeah, so there you go. Like it, it's it's from like a journey that she she went on. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Matt, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah, uh, this is yeah. a blast. Yeah, thank I, you, I, thank I had, you a, for I had a ton me. of fun. This was great. Um, yeah, but uh. Before you go, before we end here, where can you, people hear you? Where what what can people do to follow you and uh, hear some more of your your amazing takes? Yeah, Cinema Jaw. It's like cinema and jaw. Like you're you're jawing about movies. You're you're flapping your gums about movies. <laughs> and it's it's at Cinema Jaw on all the socials, and it's cinemajaw.com. We're on all the platforms that podcasts are on. So it's a pretty unique word. Just search it. But if you ask your smart speakers to play it, sometimes. They'll think you said cinnamon jar for some reason. <laughs> so you got to really watch your pronunciation. But otherwise, it's pretty easy to find us. Yeah, yeah that's, it's, a, it's a great show. I've definitely started listening to it uh, recently since I heard about you guys. I, yeah, it's always a ton of fun. And everybody who listens to this knows I love top ten, top five lists, top whatever lists. So they, they, it's always great to listen to your guys' lists and uh, hear your Thank recommendations. You. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys uh, out there want, after you're done listening to Cinema Jaw, if you want to listen to any more of us, we have been, as we were saying at the beginning, underrated, uh, the undercast company. You know, if you could give us uh, a review, a rating, a uh, subscription, if you've liked this, we've got new stuff every week or every other week, and we have a huge back catalog of past episodes. Uh, we do a couple other podcasts as well, including Ariel's show, You've Never Seen where someone introduces her to a movie that she should have seen at this point, or she introduces someone to a movie that they should have seen at this point, and that show is a lot of fun. Um, whenever there's a new Marvel movie, I do my Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones podcast. I have a lot of fun with that. And uh, we do a couple other things. I, I mentioned there's that Can I Say Something podcast that I co-host with my friend Damien. We've got our Patreon-exclusive podcast. There's a lot of good stuff, so just look up Undercast Company on, on any of the socials or... Um, on any podcasting app to hear some more stuff. We really, really appreciate everyone out there for listening. 
but yeah, thank. Until next time, uh, I'll see you guys all later. Bye. Thanks for being amazing, everyone. <laughs>